are there many more opportunities? Yes. Are there a lot of people in our city and our community that need that need us to develop all over? Absolutely. So mm -hmm. I think that, you know, while the opportunities may be slightly different than what have been there recently, there's still plenty of opportunities and plenty of space to grow. Hello, and welcome to the 23rd episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. I'm really excited about 23, because that was Ryan Sandberg's number <laughs> on the Cubs, and he was my favorite Cub of all time. So for those of you joining again, welcome back, and thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, welcome, and we're glad you found us. All of this is made possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners like Evolve Her, Chicago's first creative co-working space for women, our podcast home, 1871, which is Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs and innovation. I think they just got another award for the top business incubator in the world. Again, that's amazing. And of course, the insurance people, a woman and minority owned agency focused on small business health insurance, individual health insurance, and Medicare supplements. I'm Becky Carroll, president and CEO of C Strategies, and I'm also your host, Unarguably, Chicago has experienced a construction boom of, I would say, epic proportions across the commercial housing markets over the past several years. And I live in the West Loop, and I could say there's literally a crane on every other block in my neighborhood, which sorry. is not, or just, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm, there are some days I'm like, oh my God, just wait for that congestion to kick in. And, you know, if you look around neighborhoods at the surrounding greater downtown and beyond, you see, you know, cranes literally are lined up block by block. It's not just right downtown, but is it going to last? And what might Chicago's future skyline and neighborhoods look like in the years ahead? So today we have three women who all have their pulse on Chicago's booming construction market, all of whom are rock stars in this space in their own right. So please welcome to the show, Smita Shaw, Aaron Lavin Cabanarji, and Benita Harrison. Woohoo! Hello, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know I'm your one person clap machine here. So I am really excited to have all three of you here today. And I've worked all with you in some way, shape or form over the years, which is great. And I'm excited to talk about this booming construction market. But first, I think it's always great to hear a little bit about our guests before we get going. So all three of you are also entrepreneurs in different stages of your business who together have decades of experience in this market. So I'd love for you to tell us about your business and the path that led you to it. And Smita, I think I'm just going to start with you. Thanks, Becky. <laughs> so so I'm the owner, founder, and president of Spantech, which is an engineering, architecture, engineering, and construction management firm. We started 21 years ago in 1998, really focused on technology and building technology infrastructure for facilities. In 1998, not everyone had a computer on every desk. That sounds so ancient, <laughs> but that was our focus is that we could work with um, architecture and engineering firms and help build that infrastructure for people. And since then, we've expanded into roads, bridges, airports, commercial facilities, and commercial buildings. And across the world. And across the world. On top of that. So congratulations. She started that at 24, which I still think is kind of crazy, <laughs> but I wish I had had your like drive way back then. So Benita, tell us a little bit more. Hi, I'm Benita Harrison, owner of Sunshine Management and KBM Realty. I started back in 2006. I was a financial analyst at PepsiCo. I actually bought my first home. I bought my first home, I rehabbed it, and three months later I ended up selling it. 
for for profit. Nice. So that's what kind of landed me into like, the industry. Mm, I yeah. like this. <laughs> like, hey, this makes a little bit of sense right now. <laughs> so then from there, our, our business has grown. We've done multiple single family properties. We've done some retail storefronts, uh, residential, multifamilies. And we focus primarily on the south side of Chicago. Right. And you were the 2018 Cook County Land Bank Developer of the Year. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and Erin. Yes. So I am the managing director of Urban Resolve. Urban Resolve is twofold, both consultant advisory practice, and that helps investment funds and real estate development. So my focus is really around public-private partnerships. What I'm very excited about is keeping my feet in both the commercial office world, which I've been at Sterling Bay for the last five years, as well as the 10 years prior where I led the Public Building Commission. So I have a tremendous fondness for public infrastructure development. Yes, and bringing that public and private together. So it Absolutely. makes a lot of sense. Yes. And and I would say you're probably very unique in some um, respects as well. So it's all good. So Smita, you know, your firm, as you're saying, walks across the globe. You do big, big public work projects and highly specialized jobs like redoing certain bathrooms for certain senators who later ran for president. Uh, it's always a fun little side um, uh, <laughs> side story we story. have. But, uh, you know, given that you've worked in markets across the country, across the globe, like, how do you see Chicago as a place to still do the big, bold projects? Like, can Chicago sustain this momentum of building and construction its experience over the last several years? Or you think we're going to hit a wall soon? Yes, I think Chicago can sustain that momentum. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> but, you know, I will say, well, I think first we start with the fact that here we are at 1871, which was um, named the number one global incubator worldwide. Mm -hmm. And but the important thing to note, it was also number one for women founders in entrepreneurship, which yeah. tells you a lot. And, you know, you have people like Benita here and Aaron and, of course, yourself who are fantastic entrepreneurs, but really sort of doing new things in different areas and different markets. Because when people think of big, bold construction, they tend to think of things like, you know, the Vista Tower or the Sears Tower, or they think of, you know, great large scale projects like what's happening at O'Hare. But what you also forget is those bold projects are developments in the communities in the city of Chicago, like what's Benita's doing or you know, expanding into the West Loop, which was you know, sort of an obvious novel idea. Yes. Way, right? It, <laughs> I mean, the fact that it was two minutes from downtown, but you know, people have been thinking about it and no one stepped into it. So are there many more opportunities? Yes, are there a lot of people in our city and our community that need that, need us to develop all over? Absolutely. So mm -hmm. I think that you know, while the opportunities may be slightly different than what have been there recently, there's still plenty of opportunities and plenty of space to grow because there are a lot of people. And Chicago is one of the most diverse places in the world. You know, people yeah. don't always realize that. They think of us as a city in the Midwest. And, you know, this is a global city in the Midwest that has so many different types of people over, you know, many different people from all over the globe. We have 28 sister cities that tells you. Yeah. That speaks to the breadth of our, our communities. So we, we have our opportunity for everyone. Yes, I would like to think that. And it's a good segue into uh, talking to you, Erin, speaking about the West Loop, because I remember a few years ago when I walked into an office of Sterling Bay and I saw like all these buildings, a map of the West Loop. I'm like, 
wow, you guys like virtually own all of the West Loop. That is incredible vision to have had given that, you know, back in the 70s and 80s is a very, very different kind of place. But, you know, so you've spent two decades working in this space, including, like you said, heading the Public Building Commission and overseeing construction development at Sterling Bay, which really has had one of the most impressive portfolios in town today, which has helped to you know, be a big player in this boom. So what do you think we can expect to see maybe 10 years from now or even five years from now as we're looking at our skyline and the outlying communities? Well, I think what I hope and what I expect has a lot to do with uh, the legislature, Mm -hmm. specifically priority around infrastructure, both regional and local infrastructure that's absolutely so critical to the success of Fulton Market to date, Mm -hmm. but also where we can see continued expansion and success. Why I say that is you look at, and when I say infrastructure, I'm specific really more towards public transportation, mm-hmm. whether that's Metra or or CTA or other modes of transit, Divi. I, I'm not a big fan of those little scooters, but otherwise, you know, <laughs> almost, those 800,000 rides are <laughs> like this. <laughs> I almost, yeah. Anyway. yeah. <laughs> but I, I truly enjoyed my time at Sterling Bay and at the Public Building Commission. Those were invaluable. Yeah. But what I'm seeing in my current practice is the continued desire to expand. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's catalytic. Look at Morgan Station. Morgan Station was there, there was awareness, and then there became an investment security. So folks really understood that they could invest their money there, sign a lease there, and have the ability to to commute you know, directly mm-hmm. into what was then considered the, the central business district. Yep. What I very much appreciate about leadership to date in the city and the state is acknowledging that the West Loop and any other center of activity is part of the central business district. It takes a certain amount of courage because you're going to not always make everybody happy. That's sort of the nature of real estate development. But I think there's a tremendous balance that has uh, been struck where people are beginning to acknowledge and realize Mm -hmm. that the central business district is an economic engine that can help foster development in the communities. And we always need to be balancing community and central business district. One of the great accomplishments I think of late is this neighborhood opportunity bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, I have the great pleasure of sitting on the West Central Association. Oh, that's great. Which is the uh, Chamber of Commerce for Mm -hmm. the West Loop. And we review, I'm on the Economic Development Committee, wherein we review every real estate development proposal that's coming in. And what you see is the neighborhood opportunity bonus funds Four million, four million, four million. Every single time when there's a bonus up, and th- these are monies that are by the way the legislation was written, eighty percent of that bonus fund is being shipped to the to the neighborhood. So it's mm-hmm. how that ultimate bonus fund gets expended, which is right. devils in the details always. But folks like Benita and others who can employ that in neighborhood communities is absolutely so critical. So one, I hope and expect to your question that people continue to look at that balance of central business district, but prioritize neighborhood development. Mm-hmm. But to make that happen is how do we get there as people? Right. And so the investment in Metra, the investment, and, and we're hoping for West Loop Metra, that Metropolitan Planning Council helped us facilitate some need analyses. But the West Loop Metra is something that's really, really important. Not So from a regional transportation standpoint, not just a local. And the city right. not only funded the Morgan Street 
L station that was catalytic to the development of the West Loop, but also is now building the Damon Street L station. So my great hope and expectation is to see that the blight that happened during the 1960s after the 68 riots that really fractured the West part of Chicago mm-hmm. and the Central Business District start to be stitched together and healed as a result of public transportation nodes that are brought further and further West. Because with those nodes, you're going to find more residential development, more mm-hmm. commercial development. And I think we as a culture now are beginning to appreciate that you need live, work and play all simultaneously to make it a vibrant, viable, economic um, and, right. and neighborhood centric community that we live in. Yeah. And I think you see that from the central business district when you see like how far it's come from. You know, like, it was, what was it? I think it was the 96 convention when Mayor Daly made a decision, which we all worked in, like, okay, we're going to do something to beautify the stretch. We're going to get people to see the potential out here. We're going to use it as an opportunity, not just to celebrate the convention and bring all these people in town and then they go, but try to use it in a different way, exactly. right? And then, you know, it, it was the very Terry visionary. The Terry Teal Bridge numbers. <laughs> yes. I'll tell Terry we found a way to, like, work them into this podcast. Um, and you also see it, like, not just so you see the, the west loop and then the south loop and now we're talking about you know the near south side the near west side i mean it is stretching and growing and evolving and touching those communities but i hear a lot that public transportation is really key because that's where you just struck a nerve with me 96 that seems a lifetime ago right but you look at the long game Yep. And it's the investments that were made in 96 and bringing out. And, and I don't always agree with United Center's development because mm-hmm. it had a sea of parking around it. Yeah. But now because, you know, you'd go and then you'd leave. But now with all the pop ups of different amenities around there and what's happening, it's starting to stitch some of that together. But the the foresight of having investment in the West Loop. Mm-hmm. And having United Center go there, at least the intent there, that was the long game. And that's what's right. continuing to be unfolded administration after administration. Right. And, and this opportunity fund is like an incredible new way to take it to a whole new level because, you know, all this development is great. It's not affordable to everybody, but you can leverage that development and invest it in communities. So this is a great segue now into Benita, who is uh, a leader in trying to help transform communities um, on the South Side. And so you bring your own unique perspective to this conversation as someone who's been working a lot in these communities and have huge potential for growth and development, which you're helping to lead. So uh, do you believe, you know, Chicago's, you know, South Side and, and other traditional neighborhoods that are right outside, of course, the traditional downtown, greater downtown um, area can be that next frontier for development? Or do you um, still need to, you know, convince either investors or other developers to be brought along? Like, do you see that starting to change? I do see some change there. I do think some people, we have, you have to actually do, we have to a little bit bring, convince some people to come to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we have a lot of potential for growth because we were so far behind the eight ball. Um, even when you look at other markets, we're nowhere near our full potential. Sure. So there's a huge supply and there's a huge demand of people that want to be in these communities and, and for investors to come in and redevelop those mm-hmm. those areas. And what do you think are 
the biggest selling points for those communities and then some of the biggest challenges that you find since you're working day and night in them? Well, what Aaron was just saying, just transportation is so much transportation comes in. So you have the red line, you have the green line, the blue line, you have Lakeshore Drive, all the parks and everything that's mm-hmm. in those communities. Beautiful parks. They're beautiful yeah. parks. So there is a, I mean, there is so much transportation. There's so much access. It's just that we, we need resources. We is like almost like it's like a food desert. Yeah. So and then just just some type of economic stimulus, even mm-hmm. for the developers like myself, just being able to having access to capital. Mm-hmm. So majority of the access that we have are hard money lenders. So it kind of gouges your profits. So just with that being said, there's not a lot for us to do or even people that want to stay in those communities. But mm-hmm. if you were to bring some type of traditional lending for people that can't redevelop, then mm-hmm. there's a lot of smaller developers that want to be in the community and are more than willing and able to develop those properties and do partnerships with with um organizations like the the cook Cook county County. land bank can tell us just like a you know quick 30 seconds on how that works because i think it's really important and it's been pretty impactful yeah they've been extremely impactful within the community so they're able to just erase a lot of the blight so a lot of properties that you'll traditionally see on the south and west sides um, you may have $100,000 of back taxes and water bills and all these other things that you can't even get into the property. The property is only worth Yeah, there's just no incentive. There's no incentive. going to pay all that. It's going to pay right. it. And then the market value is, say, 140, but it's going to take you 100 to redevelop it. So now you're looking at $200,000. Yeah. So how do you come in? There's no incentive for you to come in. Right. So working with a company, well, with the entity like Cook County Land Bank, they're able to wipe all that away. And so now you're able to come in and invest that 100000 and make a... $40,000 profit off mm-hmm. our property and bring action and put the property back on the tax roll. So now, mm-hmm. you know, people want actually want to be there. Yeah, which is exciting. And you need, I know, it's a really impactful awesome. organization. Mm-hmm. And there's not really all that much more out there like it that can just, and they have that power to go right in and wipe the slate totally clean. And a lot of these props, some are like total fixer uppers, and of some are just a little bit, you know, but it's like great such a great opportunity in the homes i've been in a lot of the rehab they're just gorgeous and so affordably priced Mm -hmm. as well compared to some other neighborhoods that are not so (laughs) affordably priced so you know i always i mean i have a long-term perspective on this too because you know aaron knows everyone like worked way back in the day at the department of planning and development in the late 90s so i got to see all these plans for what we're going to do at state street and what we were going to do in the west loop and the south loop and millennium park so it's just amazing to see how they come to life so i always you know try to talk to people about you know how did you know chicago get here right and all of you have been in this market long enough i i think to add your own kind of perspective to this so you know what really were the factors that you think contributed to the city becoming such a hot market and with so many local and international investors I know people are like yeah we have the Chinese investors coming in this week to look at such and such I'm like wow they're just all looking for you know an opportunity here so I mean with all these folks just willing to like invest hundreds of millions what is it about Chicago that just says you know I want to come here and and do business I work a lot with tenant brokers 
who are interested in bringing their businesses from the suburbs into Chicago mm-hmm. or from out of state into Chicago. And it's really remarkable when we start to talk to these larger companies. They all tend to be, you know, Fortune 100 or, or greater companies. And the biggest thing that attracts folks without question from the, the biggest to even mid-sized companies is that we have a tremendous cost of living here in Chicago and a remarkable, remarkable access to educated youth. Mm -hmm. Um, We have so many universities in Chicago, but even when you look at Wisconsin and Indiana and Iowa close by, we are the largest big city that attracts very highly technical, very well-trained and educated mm-hmm. young people. Well, that's and why you see Google exactly. and Uber and all these folks expanding 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 jobs here. Exactly. I remember doing the spatial programming for a um, third-party logistics company that was just relocating in Chicago. And one of the things they told me is, this city is our recruitment tool. And they had beautiful pictures of Buckingham Fountain and other things. They said, we just bring people to the city, we entertain them, and they are hooked. Mm -hmm. Um, It is often that we will find people, and Smita was quite involved in this too, but in the Olympic bid, when international folks came to Chicago and saw Chicago, people are surprised. I remember one person remarking about Lake Michigan saying, that's not a lake, that's a sea. That, you know, what is that? (laughs) Um, And how clean and how beautiful our city is. I think when people really get to know Chicago and get to see Chicago, it's more than just what's reported nationally or internationally. We have tremendous talent, tech talent in in particular. And so I think that's one of the biggest draws for at least larger companies moving their headquarters. Yeah, because they need the talent and they need that immediate pipeline, right? So it makes, you know, a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I've seen the same thing. I mean, when we deal with international clients, I think the, you know, there's a few different things. One, it's certainly the education and a lot of people, and we see this in the Indian community and different communities of different council generals, they come here and, you know, they've been in other cities, you know, from Germany and they've been ambassadors and they've been council generals in other parts of the world. So I remember one Indian council general coming here and he loved it. He and his wife would ride along the lakefront on their bike and, you know, they were (laughs) traditional. So she would be in sort of her more traditional clothing riding on her bike, which was a beautiful sight to see. (laughs) And, you know, but I mean, you have the lakefront, you have that access, you know, the fact that it's it's forever open, free and clear, right? That people can access it as something very unique to the city of Chicago. Most places don't do that. The education is also something people talk extensively about. I mean, not only do we have many universities, but we have top class universities. And because of that, that also, and that's both on the undergraduate level as well as on the graduate level. Mm -hmm. So by having both, you have, you know, and then of course, when you kind of expand that radius and you, you kind of get more and more educational institution, I mean, you can go all the way to Springfield and still have you, well, it's, and you have University of Illinois, Springfield, you have yep. all these different schools and you go to Wisconsin, you still pick up those. Yep, right over the border. Right yep. over the border, which is closer than Springfield. So it's kind of a, <laughs> it's an in, at least to Chicago. So there's, you know, and then you have Indiana. So a lot of people come and they enjoy the opportunities presented to them. I think that, you know, the fact that we have a world-class airport, I think mm-hmm. the first modernization program that took place in the 2000s really started to change that, make the improve the accessibility, reduce some of the traffic at the department at our mm-hmm. airport, and you know, and the airport is one of the finest airports in the country and really the world. So the fact that you can connect from place to place, it remains a transportation and logistics hub. 
So, you know, when you take all of it in, there's some efficiency built into being in Chicago that makes it very easy. You can go and come wherever you need to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's so many reasons for Chicago. And, you know, and it helps that there's a great food scene here, too. Food yes. is very important. Number one, <laughs> according to Condé Nast. <laughs> I mean, how can you argue that, right? Food <laughs> is very important. So, yeah, so when you take it all together, you know, the, the lifestyle that you can have is just sort of an extraordinary opportunity mm-hmm. for not only CEOs, but investors and families and everyone else. Right. Yeah, you know, of course, neighborhoods versus downtown is always a different challenge, right? But do you feel that, you know, that people are starting to think differently about the neighborhoods versus wanting to be, you know, in the the hot neighborhood, the hot market around in and around downtown? Do you feel like people are starting to, like, open their eyes a little bit more because I actually hear a lot more developers who do work downtown talking about opportunity zones and all these other I mean I mean they're just like I want to be in the opportunity zone so and do you um I mean are you feeling that are you seeing that I do High Park specifically like it's it's on little oasis right now and so so much going on so many businesses moving to the community Mm -hmm. so many restaurants um just the quality of life there the access to the whole city like you have the metro the transportation is it's just is very vibrant in that community yeah mm-hmm. i would love to see a real concerted effort to mm-hmm. try to put more emphasis on where the opportunity where the best positioned opportunities are in neighborhoods because mm-hmm. you know like Hyde park can be that hub yeah. that like the west loop is now to the yeah. near west side and whatnot right you got to go to where you think you have a really good potential for growth and then try to build it from there mm-hmm. so we'll have to talk about that but more. look at what's happening along 63rd street i mean sure. there's been um a master plan i think gensler architects yep. did it but there's a lot of catalytic investment that's happening and and you know universities historically have had what they call a town to tassel struggle mm-hmm. where um universities are very insular in nature yes, it's and like I this think... is our space <laughs> no, nothing out there yeah i think um uh University of Chicago in particular has done a tremendous yeah. job on their outreach and really changing their culture. Mm-hmm. Sonia Malunga is the uh, yeah, outreach person Sonia. down there. Has done yep. a great job. My former boss. Really? Yeah, yeah back in housing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Dr. Prazier. I mean, everybody down there has really turned that idea of, of, of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of looking internally, looking externally for partnerships. Right. Really engaging. Uh, the medical center has done a great job of that. Yeah, um, they've really come a long way in just a few years yeah it hasn't circle. taken like decades <laughs> right exactly community hiring community engagement all that good stuff right well let's talk then a little bit about entrepreneurs because whenever i have women on the show there's usually like a leader in their own right and you know we like to do this podcast too to hopefully help inspire some women who are listening so let's talk a little bit about your your path like why own your own business and what advice do you have for women who are working to either break into this space, a space that is still very dominated by men and mostly white men, nothing against them, but it's, it's specs and, or, you know, just to, you know, branch out on your own, you know, in general. And I know Smita's story so well, I can tell it myself, but I, I always, <laughs> I always, I always love hearing your story because it's just so cool. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know, you know, why start my own business? Okay. So honestly, so just in a nutshell, I, you know, I grew, went to, I have a bachelor's and master's in civil structural engineering. I went to Northwestern and MIT. After I graduated from MIT, I went to work for great firms, Skidmore, Rings and Merrill. And then I went to work for my dad, 
and we were he, you know negotiating a power project in in India with um, Japanese financiers and Indian business people and American suppliers. So it was kind of fun, but I realized that you know. Working for your dad is hard. Um, <laughs> and be a so challenge. Nothing can be harder than working for your dad. So I might as well start a company. And what was the worst that was going to happen? You know, worst case scenario, I'd work for someone else. And, you know, so it's, it's sort and of. And you were been, 24, so why not, right? Right. I mean, what was the, you know, I didn't have kids. And, you know, when you're 24, you think, what's the big deal? You can go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, it was it was sort of a, a thing you, I did with a bit of gumption and, and it worked out in the end. And, you know, I, I also did it because I thought it was a unique opportunity. You know, here I was with my master's degree from MIT and, you know, I've had some some great experience in work and some challenging experiences in work, you know, where people thought I was, you know, I got my English degree from MIT rather than an engineering degree from MIT. And I realized that, you know, kind of wanted to be around people who wanted to be super smart and wanted to work on interesting things and great engineers and that we would just have fun working on projects. And and I feel like we've done that to some degree. And it's been it's been a great experience. I I think it gives me it gives me the opportunity to pursue interesting things and kind of continue to be intellectually curious and learn new things, which is really important to me. But it also has given me the chance to give back to the community. I think Becky was saying that I have like a few boards <laughs> and um, like that I'm engaged. <laughs> Counting. <laughs> but you know, I, I really, and it's, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to be involved in the community and make a difference and help people. I mean, this is the country. You know, my father was an immigrant who grew up in a village with no running water or electricity. And he came here with a few bucks in his pocket that he borrowed on the plane so he would have the money. The first night he spent in 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 Atlanta, he spent at a, at the room at the home of a kind gate agent's mother because she, he didn't have a place to stay. And so you know these these different things. This is this country that has given my parents and family a lot of opportunity? And um, city of Chicago is the place where you know where my kids live and my they go to school. And I am grateful, so I'm happy to have the opportunity to give back, and that gives me something to feel quite good about. I think that the other thing about being an entrepreneur is it allows you to be tremendously flexible, but it also requires you to work 24-7. Yeah. So, you know, while you can say that, yes, Mita can go and maybe drop off her kids in the morning, but she's also sending you an email at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so uh, there's, 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 there's glamour and not glamour, but it is, it's something that, you know, it does allow you to really explore your own breadth in a, in a different way. And direct it on your own. And directed on you. Supported know. by a great team, usually. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm not sure who is in charge. I try to be. <laughs> but um, the kids are in charge. The kids are in charge. Yes. They're definitely Always. smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They're getting so. there. They're getting there. They're nipping at your heel. So, <laughs> so you were saying you were working Benita for PepsiCo before, but then what was it that was like light bulb went on? You're like, I'm going to do this on my own. I think, I think. What, what Smita said as well, the flexibility of it. But then when, you, when you're an entrepreneur, you have the autonomy to kind of realize your own dreams. Um, and then the impact that you make on a community. So even realizing that you have to create jobs for people and then also have to, the responsibility of having to sustain those jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and just for me, it was just the impact that I had, just looking at the community around me, looking at the people that I'm helping to develop. 
that was impactful for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then my background is in mathematics. I have a bachelor's and master's from UIC. So when I first started, I thought that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I mean, like <laughs> just at this corporation. So my mom right. and my dad, they were both uh, entrepreneurs. So my mom was a cosmetologist. My father was a mechanic turned mm -hmm. uh, electrician. So my whole life. Was it was like, in oh, your blood. Yeah. Right. It you kind of grew up knowing what that life was like. <laughs> yeah. And were you inspired? Was it is was it inspired more to just be your own boss and create your own destiny and your dream, pursue those dreams? Or was it also to, to try to find a way to help the community by putting people to work? Because I know you do a lot of that with all your projects. <laughs> yeah, so originally when I was there too, when I was in, in corporate America, I, I, I didn't think I fit, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just that fit. And then you're thinking that, hey, I'll be more impactful and you're not. Right. So I think for me, that was my transition. And then, yeah, also being able to just see the people, seeing the families that I'm putting into homes, all that. So, but for me, originally, it was like, I don't think I really fit here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you get to know them personally, the people who I buy do. the homes? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you get to see. And a lot of times, too, on the south and west side, a lot of times it's their first home. Yeah. We have a help. That's a the best feeling. She's like 45, and she's like, I never thought I would own a home. So just to see that single mom of three kids is, is pretty impactful. Uh, I could wake up to that every day yeah. if I could. That's yeah. that's really um, that's yeah. a great feeling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Erin, you just opened your new firm after yeah. having some very you know high level positions where yeah you were the boss, <laughs> so you had a sense of what it was like to direct and you know plan and budget and whatnot. But, but um, I did what it in a cautious sort of yes. way because I think women can be very adventurous, but I think at the root, often women tend to be very pragmatic. Very. And so I actually started my company in February of 2018, mm -hmm. but didn't actually yeah. depart until I had enough business and work mm -hmm. and set it up. I mean, you know, the reality is there's braces to pay for and a mortgage and yeah. all sorts of fun stuff. Don't um, we know it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my boys can eat me out of house and home. And <laughs> my eldest is now taller than I. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm no, no short woman. Um, so it's actually really quite fun. But it was just something that I'd always wanted to do. And, and for me, it was about prioritizing projects of impact and being able to select the work that comes to me. And I get a lot of offers to work on different projects, but I wanted to take on projects that had the ability to do what I love and, and be very impactful. Something that I loved about my time at the Public Building Commission was there's no greater feeling than cutting the ribbon on a school and seeing young people or, or yeah. a firehouse and right. having firefighters come in. I mean, all the community who put their come lives. in exactly. and walk through it. And so that level of community benefit is something that I seek out in every single project that I undertake with mm -hmm. Urban Resolve. And it's been tremendously rewarding. And I think people are really thirsty to look at that, even at the highest corporate levels. A lot of corporations are developing ESG platforms, so environmental social governance platforms mm. and they really want to do things whether it's in the arena of education or sustainability you can find a thread of goodwill through anything that's done there are a lot of different programs like five forward and others where you can adopt smaller firms and help them blossom into uh, oh, wow. you know these are often minority women-owned businesses mm -hmm. but they're you know informal ways to adopt as well mm -hmm. and so for me it's been a great pleasure to take on phenomenal projects and also so I'm a terrible employee because, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm a little bit kidding, but I always thought, you know, well, I'd like to do it this way. And I would say that, you know, right. and I'd like to do it this way. No, I think we should veer and go this way. And, you know, what I think women 
need to do is really trust their guts and women really need to be in a position to lead by example. And I hope to run my business in a way that's ethical and moral and exciting, you know, doing great work, but also knowing that you can be impactful in the community and do well by doing good. Right. So what advice do all of you have then as well for women who are trying to break in? Trust your gut. It's good advice. I like that. Well, I would say, you know what the, so I think sometimes people, you know, we always say that, you know, we always start with the fact that there's not enough women there mm-hmm. and that this is a unique thing and this is different. So I would say embrace your uniqueness. If I tried to be, let's just be clear, I'm a minority female with a background in engineering, none of which <laughs> adds up when I walk into a room for most people. And so I would say that it's okay to be different and you're doing it because you have a confidence and you know what you want to do. So go for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and don't worry about what other people think. You might have to educate some people along the way on what a woman is and how smart and super you are. But you know, go for it. Absolutely. And for me, um, I would say that I would have tunnel vision. Failure is not an option. So breakdowns create breakthroughs. So all these things are just teachable moments mm-hmm. and and knowing that this is what I want to do and just see it through to the end. Mm-hmm. And I would also just add, I mean, in addition to trusting your gut, I think it's really important that you walk the walk, hire women, mentor yes. women, continue to encourage women to go back to school, to get your degree. I mean, all of us have master's degrees in a non-traditionally female role, mathematics, engineering, <laughs> architecture. Right. And so <laughs> these are not places. Smarties at the table. <laughs> <laughs> but I think somebody along all of our paths said, you can do this right. and, and encouraged. Because all too often you hear those voices where people say, oh, girls don't do architecture or civil engineering, mm-hmm. mathematics. And so be that voice that says, you, yes, you can. I agree. And having five women uh, at my firm, I agree that's definitely the way to go. I mean, you got to, yeah, like you said, you got to walk the walk, right? Yeah. So um, as always, after I have such a great conversation on these podcasts, I'm like, I have to be the one to say that it's coming to an end. So just tell us really quickly where listeners can learn more about each of your companies. Erin? www.urban-resolve.com. Easy enough. So my website is www.kbm-realty.com. You can also follow me on social media, KBM Realty at Facebook, at Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn, Bonita Harris. You're all over. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Meet I was just thinking about how great she, I mean, and I will just know because we're on the radio, people can't do it. Benita's beautiful too. So I'm actually going to say like, definitely want to check in like Instagram profile. I'm not offering mine. Instagram. Yes. Don't look at mine. Um, You're funny. But um, yeah, so my website is www.spantechspaantech.com. Nice. Thank you again to Smita Shaw, Aaron Lab, and Kaminarji, and Benita Harrison for being our guests and giving us such a thorough breakdown of what makes Chicago a boomtown for development. 
Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. And as always, the broadcast is brought to you by Sea Strategies, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. And thank you again to our sponsors, Evolve Her 1871 and uh, the insurance people. The broadcast is produced and edited by Tweed Thornton, additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora, music by Christy Bennett's Fumi Gypsy Project. And to learn more about Sea Strategies and the broadcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sea Strategies Shy, as in C-H-I. <laughs> not shy. Not shy, because I am not shy. <laughs> Thank you. So come, let the wall.